Hey, good morning. Good to see you. Good to see your smiling faces. And uh, is it cold out or what? Man, thank God we got a warm, nice warm place to meet here today. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 4, please. You know, uh, whenever this time of year comes around, Denise, you know, and the rest of you with your big Patriots shirts and everything. (laughs) But I have to say, you know, the Chargers were from San Diego. (laughs) Now, some people in San Diego are pretty upset because they left San Diego to go to L.A., but it's, it's just a little fun to have a little rival, rivalry going on here, so go Chargers. <laughs> hey. Yeah. John chapter 4, we've been looking at the, the living water, this whole subject of living water. And, uh, you know, we, we saw the woman at the well and, you know, Jesus had been talking to her about the living water and... And finally, even though she didn't really understand, she says, yeah, I'll, I'll have that water. And, but Jesus has a way of always going deeper. And, and, and that's kind of the way it is, you know, in all the way he deals with us. You know, we want, we'd like to do things on the surface and, and truthfully dealing with each other, for the most part, it's pretty surfacey, even at church. You don't have to agree, but I already know it's true. You know, we all say, how are you doing? I'm doing good, okay, and then goodbye, we'll see you next week and everything. But, but Jesus wants to go deeper than that, and I think, I think he even wants us to develop relationships that are deeper than that, too. And, and see, for him, it's relationship. It's not just this outward thing. And so Jesus, he kind of points out, you know, her searching. She was looking, you know, to men and partners and relationships in a different way to fill that deep need within her. But, but Jesus said, listen, I'm the one that has the, the water and I will give you the water to meet that need that you have deep within you. And he, he does the same for you and I. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. She couldn't hide it from him. And neither can we. We can't hide from him. He knows what's he knows what's going on in the deepest parts of who we are. He just does. We can try all kinds of different things. We can, we can try all kinds of different avenues to be satisfied deep within. We can self-medicate. We can go, we can go to the things of the, that this world has to offer to try to fit the bill. And it, it, it just doesn't do it. It might do it for a few minutes. It might do it for a short while, but but not ultimately. It's not really going to meet that need that you and I have. It just doesn't do it. And often, I find that it gets us into trouble. When we try to get satisfied by the things of this world, it gets us into trouble in the end. This woman got into trouble. You say, well, how did she get into trouble? Well, she had five husbands. You know, if I had five wives, I'd be in trouble. (laughs) Especially if I had them all at the same time. I mean, can you imagine? One is enough. (laughs) 
I can talk like this. My wife's in Sunday school. <laughs> so, I think we should move on. <laughs> the conversation with Jesus and this woman now takes a very interesting turn. And, and you have to say, well, is it related when you look at what he's talking about? And I think it is. And I'll, I'll explain to you why. But what he, what he begins to talk about is worship. And what I want to talk about today is worship and what true worship really is. Because, you know, I think in our, in our modern church quote unquote, we have, you know, we have redefined things. And when you hear the term worship, what do you think of? Singing. This set of songs that we have, we do, we have our worship time, right? And, uh, you know, let, let's, let's be clear about this. I'm a musician. I love to play music. I love to rock out and to, to have a good time, even for an old guy. So I love music. Don't misunderstand me. But, but worship isn't just a set of songs. It's way, way more than that. True worship is more than that. And so I want to kind of talk about these ideas a little bit today. And really like, okay, well, true worship, who, you know, who does that involve? How do you do that? Where do you do that? And, and, and as it relates to this idea of, of living water, I think, I think true worship is where living water is found. I think there's a connection. That's where we, we kind of tap into this living water when we're truly worshiping. As my, this is my opinion. You know, this satisfaction of the heart. You know, we, we sing uh, this song, Psalm 90, and it says, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, uh, establish the work of our hands in Psalm 90. And, and Moses was talking about uh, you know, using our time and, and the, the days of our lives wisely. And so, but, but to be satisfied, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, this idea of devotion, and it, I think it's this idea of worship, this idea of connection, this idea of relationship between us and God. So let's pick it up in verse 19 where we left off. He says, sir, or she says, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Because he told her everything about her. He knew everything and he, and he wasn't from there. She said in verse 20, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So she says, I can see you're a prophet. And, and was Jesus a prophet? Yeah, of course he was. I mean in a lot of senses of the word, and you could probably say he is the prophet in terms of somebody who, who knows the truth and can speak the truth and, and uh, you know, being God himself, he, he, has, he has all that. So, but, but is that all that Jesus is? Absolutely not. He's way, way more than that. And, but some people teach that he was just a prophet. Some false religions teach that he was just a prophet. Yeah, he was a he was a good man. He, he taught some pretty cool stuff, but he was, a, he was just a prophet. But we know, 
And from the beginning of this gospel to the end, we know that Jesus was way more than just a prophet. And as we'll see at the end of this section, he's Messiah as well, which is the anointed one, the one that we all need. So she brings this idea now about worshiping on this mountain and this idea the Jews are claiming the place where the worship, the worship needs to be is in Jerusalem. So it's a different mountain. So you got this mountain over here and this mountain over here, right? So in other words, she, you know, maybe she got a little uncomfortable about the whole five, hus- five husband thing. Maybe. I mean, would you? Uh, I probably would. And so let's, uh, let's change the subject a little bit. Let's talk religion. And, and you know, uh, that can get things stirred up pretty good, right? You know, you're at work or whatever, and you say, you know, you start to talk about, there's two things you don't talk about, right? And what does everybody talk about? Right, the two things you're not supposed to talk about, religion and politics. And, and so, but, but it, you know, it's, so, so she brings this up and kind of, it's, it really was a point of contention. She knew he was Jewish, he knew that she was Samaritan. There's a point of con- contention between the two. The, the Samaritans, they had built a temple. There was a, a falling out, more or less, between the Samaritans and the Jews. They built their own temple on this place called Mount Gerizim, which is where, near where Jesus was at this current time in, the, in our, in our, uh, our uh, context here. Now, they built this temple in about 400 B.C., I read. And the Jews destroyed that temple in 128 B.C. So, so obviously, there's some problems between the two here. They built this temple, and the Jews came in and destroyed it because, they, you know, this is just not right. There was a, not a, a good, happy feeling between the two, obviously. Now... You know, it goes a lot deeper than this, and, and you can read about it, but the Samaritans, they had created their own religion. And they had taken the first five books of Moses, and, and they, they said, okay, we can, uh, you know, we can go with that, but then they added a whole bunch of other stuff. And, and, and you know, it, when you take the Bible and you start to add a bunch of other stuff, that's where we get in trouble. Now, we're not here to talk about, you know, that the Bible is the inspired word of God. It's God-breathed, and that's why we base our faith completely and totally on what God's word says. That's a whole other subject and topic. But when you start to take the Bible, and it's the Bible plus, that's where you always get into trouble. That's where all the false religions and false cults, Christian, uh, quote-unquote, cults, they take the Bible and then they add well, but we have this prophet, and her name is, or his name is, and so we're going to take the Bible and we're going to add all these other books along with it. And then, and then you start going off into some weird, strange stuff. And that's kind of what the, the Samaritans had done. So, you know, Jesus, Jesus, again, he knows how to deal with people. He knows how to deal with things. And, and, and basically he says, you know, we can talk about that. We can talk about religion if you want to, but really it's, it's not about religion. And I think this is what, what we say and I think what is so true. It's not really about religion, it's about what? 
It's about relationship. It's about a, a connection with the Almighty God. It's not about this going through the motions, doing these religious things. And this is where Jesus is getting to here in this section, as you'll see. Look at verse 21. Jesus declared. That means it was really important. He said, believe me, a woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So this idea of worship now, this concept of worship, he's going to begin to explain to her. And, and the first thing he talks about here in worship, and, and the, just, just let's back up for a second, this, this word worship that's used here. The, the definition that you find is, is, are these words, kiss the hand or reverence or fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead. So it's this idea of, of getting you know, to this place of humility and humbling oneself before somebody who is greater. So he's saying, you're going to worship the Father, but, but you will worship the Father, but not in this mountain, not, not in Jerusalem. If you want to talk about religion, let's, let's talk about what really matters. It's not about where you are. The Jews would say, whoa. And that's why they went and you know, destroyed that temple. It's got to be right here. It's got to be up here on the Temple Mount. It's got to be here in Jerusalem. And now Jesus, the Son of God, comes along, and what does he say? It's, you know, time is coming. It's not, it's not necessarily here in this mountain. It's not necessarily in Jerusalem. So where is it? Where is it that we should worship? Isn't that interesting? Where do you need to be to worship? Well, you got to go to church to worship, right? You got to be in church if you want to worship. That's why I got to be there, you know, because I need to worship. And that's the only place that I can truly worship God is at church. Right? Oh, you're hurting my feelings now. <laughs> of course not. You can worship no matter where you are. You can worship in your car. You can worship in your house. You can worship even at work. What? Because it's not just about singing a bunch of songs and, you know, you've you got to play K-Love at work and, or you can't worship. You can worship wherever you are if you know what worship is. Right? You can be looking at the sky and, and uh, you know, if you wake up early enough and you look to the, to the east and left, sort of up to the right in the east, you can see Venus. Every night, except when it's cloudy. Or you can see the sun rise, or you can look to the west and see the sun set, or you can watch sometimes, if you're lucky and the timing's right, you can watch the moon rise. Or you can look up in the sky and see all the, the, the stars and the constellations, though I don't know really what any of them are except the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper. And you can see, and, and, and the Bible tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God, and you can worship, and you can say, wow. When you see a sunrise or a sunset and the colors are just amazing, you can say, no man could ever create anything like that with all the beautiful paintings that we can do. But you can look and see, and you can say, God, you are incredible, and you can worship. Of course, we need to know who we worship, and and he talks about, Jesus says here, you need to worship the Father. You will worship the Father, of course. And, 
And, and if you remember what happened when Jesus was, uh, you know, having this battle with Satan, right? And it says in Matthew 4, it says, The devil took him to a very high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And Satan said, All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. But Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This idea of worship, you know, there, there's only one that should and, and must be worshipped, and it's God himself, really God in, in, in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking about the Father here in this particular con- context, but as Jesus quoted, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The problem is when we begin to worship these other things, when, when these things uh, come into our hearts and they begin to take this place that only God should have. Stuff, people, position, power, all the different things that we're tempted to. Notice that Satan says, fall down and worship me, bow down and worship me. He has an idea about what worship is, but obviously misplaced. But he's always wanted that. He he wants people to worship him. Jesus said, get out of here. Verse 22. He said, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. He he begins to explain and give a little bit more uh, understanding of who it is. And where it comes from. I want you to turn ahead with me to Acts chapter 17. He says to the Samaritans, you are worshiping what you don't even know. You don't even understand what you're worshiping. A lot of times we're worshiping things and we don't even know we're worshiping false gods and idols and the things of this world. And they were worshiping, but they really did not have a clue. But it really wasn't much different then as it is now. If you look at Acts chapter 17 and verse 22, Paul was in the city of Athens. It says he stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and he said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. A lot of religious people back then, there's a lot of religious people around us today. They go to church even every week. You can be religious. But he said, for as I looked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, objects, get that? He said, I I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. They you know, they, they wanted just to cover all the bases. Let's just make sure we worship everybody and everything. And in case we left anybody out, let's just put to the unknown God. You can do that. You can worship what you don't even understand, what you don't even know, what you, what you can't even comprehend. Jesus is going to address this when we get back to John chapter 4. But let's carry on in, here in Acts 17. He says, now what you worship is something unknown. I am going to proclaim to you. I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to explain to you who it is. 
Now, Jesus was saying to, you can put something in Acts 17. We're going to come back to this and see what Paul says in a minute. But, but go back to John chapter 4. Jesus, again, he's going to explain and help them to understand. He says, you worship what you don't know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. He wasn't afraid to you know, make clear that, yes, it's not necessarily on Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem, but, but the true worship and the understanding of who God is came through the nation of Israel. Through the nation of the Jews. He makes it clear. God has had his hand upon the people of Israel for a very clear reason. For very clear purposes. And, and, to, and, and, and mainly it was to explain to the human race about God the Father. To, re, to reveal his word. And then finally to bring Jesus the Messiah through the Jewish nation. Romans talks about this. Romans uh, Chapter 3 says the Jews were entrusted with the words of God. Romans chapter 9, talking about the people of Israel, it says theirs is the adoption as sons. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs and, catch this, he says, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. That the Messiah, the Christ, would come from the Jewish nation, from the Jewish people. A lot, of, a lot of times people don't even, you know, make the connection. They don't remember that Jesus was Jewish. The first believers, the first Christians were all Jewish. Jesus said, you don't even know what you're worshiping, but salvation is from the Jews. But look what he says in verse 23 now. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So he says a time is coming. He says that again. A time is coming and has now come, though, he says, of course, with the coming of Jesus himself. He says the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. That's what he said, to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So, so he, he, he begins to give us some explanation. What does it mean to have true worship? What, what is true worship? As, as I've said, is it just a bunch of songs? He says, true worship, this is what true worship is. It's in spirit and in truth. And these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, that he's happy with it, that, that he understands is the right way to worship. So I think if Jesus says something like this, we should stop and think about what, what does that mean? To worship in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? How do, how do I do that? If I want to be a true worshiper, how do I do that? Well, number one, he talks about in spirit, right? Let's look at that, first of all. What does that mean, to worship in spirit? It, it, it kind of, it, you know, we can, we can kind of look at the whole picture here. Number one is this, it's a spiritual thing. It's spiritual. It's not necessarily, you know, the, the things that we do with our body. It's not, well, I really worship when I lifted my hands. Now, can you worship and lift your hands? Absolutely. Is it 
is it good? The Bible talks about it. It's a great thing to do. But it's not necessarily so much what we do with our outside bodies. There are people who, as I said, go to church week after week and they say, I, I, I worshiped and I went to worship and I did this. But nothing, nothing was touched on the inside. You see, we, we are, you know, a, a body, soul and spirit, right? We have a spirit living within us and, and it's made alive by Jesus, and, it, it, and when it's, once it comes alive, that's really where spiritual life is. And so true worship is something that's, that's within us, the deepest part of who we are. That's where the Spirit resides within us. It's, it's in the very deepest part of who we are. Now, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean that we just sit like this. I'm just, I'm just going to let the deepest part of me worship and the rest of me just not going to get involved at all. See, the, what, what happens truly, if it's a true spiritual worship, it, ha, it has a way of kind of working its way out, right? And it kind of, it will affect our soul, it will affect our body, it will affect us if it's true worship. And that's kind of the way that God works in our lives. So he works from the inside out. Religion is kind of working from the outside in. You know, we're going to make you do different things. We're going to, you dress a certain way, you talk a certain way, and that's going to supposedly change you on the inside. But he works it the opposite of that. He, he kind of changes us from the inside. and then we, It begins to change how we live. It, it begins to change how we think. It, it changes how we live. The choices we make in this life. If it never gets there... If it's, say, I worship God all, all day long, but then I go out and, and get drunk, and then I you know, go out and do all these things, and I steal, and I, and I do all this other stuff. Well, there's something that, that isn't quite you know, making connection here. Again, that's, that's a different message, though. So it's spiritual. It's, it, it starts in the very deepest, deepest parts of us, and, and, and really, you know, to, to, to worship is to connect with God in that level. Now, the Bible also talks about the fact that it's that the Holy Spirit is involved in worship. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, he says this, Paul says, We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. So it it's a spiritual thing within us, but the Holy Spirit is also, as we have asked God to come into our lives, the Holy Spirit is, is living within us as well. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit himself is helping us to now worship. It's, it's, it's kind of a dual thing, our spirit, the Holy Spirit. The deepest parts of who we are as we humble ourselves before him, as we reverence him, as we honor him, as we give him glory. True worship includes that. And, and, and I have to ask the question, is that us? Is that me? Is that you? Is it, is that, are you really one of those who worships in spirit? There's a, there's a, a part of you that just, that just cries out to the almighty God, that, that humbles yourself before him, that you worship the Almighty God. I can't answer that for you. We all have to ask ourselves these questions. The second half of what he talks about here, to worship in spirit and truth,
there's a few different ways we can also look at this word truth. I think the first one that I, I like is, is this, in truth and in sincerity. That it's true. It's not like fake. Not just outward motions. Not just words, but it's something that, that is truly going on. He's worship, we're worshiping in spirit, but in truth as well, it's true. In Psalm 51, uh, David says these words that God desires truth in the inner parts. He wants us to be honest, you know. He wants us to be real. He wants us to be sincere. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. Don't pretend to do something that you're really not doing. It doesn't, he sees right through it anyway. Maybe we fake each other out. Wow, did you see that guy? He was really worshiping. Really? And he was thinking about the Patriots game the whole time. You know, he was thinking about the potluck. He was thinking about all kinds of other stuff. His heart wasn't even there, but he was doing all the stuff. He was playing the guitar. Wow. Cool. Is it true? Is it real? But the second part, and, and maybe is even more important, is it, is it in keeping with the truth of God's word? In spirit and truth, is the, the truth of God's word there? Is it based on truth? This is not just emotion. Now, emotion is good, and I, and I said that. It's okay to have emotion. Again, you, you kind of think about the church situation, the church scene, as you might use those words. You know, you've got some churches, they're so emotional. You go in there, man, and this emotion is like, as soon as you walk in the door, emotion is like, we're all over the place. Then you go into another place, and they're like, you know, they've got their, you know, suits and ties, and everybody's all, you know, you know. Like this. And they're studying the word and they're, they're having, you know, you know three-hour sermons. And uh, the truth, they got this truth thing going on. But Jesus said worship in spirit and in truth. Where it's involved in not just the mind. We're walking in with a big giant head. It's the mind and the heart. The mind and the spirit, it's, a, it's like a, a whole picture here. Not just emotion, not just truth, but both. Now the Samaritans, as Jesus was pointing out, they didn't have the whole truth. They had something that they were doing, they were doing these things, but they didn't have the whole truth. He said, i got to explain to you. Now let's turn back to Acts chapter 17 for a minute. Because Paul there, he said, you know, you've got this unknown God. You don't have the whole truth. You don't have, you know, you're, you're, you're doing a lot of stuff. You've got a lot of things going on here, but, but you don't have the truth. And he says, I'm going to proclaim it to you. I'm going to explain to you now. In verse 24, he said, Acts 17, the God who made the world, the creator, in other words, and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. He doesn't need us. Verse 26, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. He determined the, set, the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Verse 27, God did this so that men would seek him. I love this. 
God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He's right there. All we have to do is reach out and we will find him. Seek and you will find. For in him we live and move and have our, have our being. Incredible. This is Jesus that we're talking about here. Look down to verse 31. He said, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. He gives them a whole lesson, a whole you know, explanation about God, the creator, and that, why, you know, that God wants to have this relationship with us. And in the context, again, is what? Is worship. He went around and said, you know, I see all these things you're worshiping, all these altars, all these, you know, things that you wrote about, even to the unknown God. But I want to proclaim to you what you worship, he says, is something unknown. I'm going to proclaim to you. I want to tell you that God is the one that you need to worship, the creator. And you do that through how? Through Jesus Christ, his son. What did Jesus say? That he was the way, the truth. And the life, and no man comes to the Father but through him. This is the way to worship in spirit and in truth. Is that us? In spirit and in truth. That's the, the kind of worshipers the Father seek. Again, you know, this, this, and I've thought about this subject a lot through the years, but even when I think about the kinds of songs that we sing. I'm back to the music again. Because this principle applies even in the kinds of music that we choose, the songs that we sing. Some songs, and, and, and I'm a big proponent of modern, quote-unquote, worship, modern worship. But some of the modern worship is like there's no truth there. It's just a bunch of fluff. There's no, there's no foundation for it. There's nothing there. It's just like, let's sing this song. It has, you know, 12 words and we're going to sing it like, you know, a hundred times. And then we worshiped. And some of these things, I've listened to them and I go like, okay, I got the idea the first time. And there really is no idea. There's really, there's nothing, there's no truth there. There's nothing to build it upon. There's no foundation for it. But then I, you know, then, you know, you go to some of like the older hymns, right? And the truth, they, those guys were like serious Bible scholars, most of them. And they wrote these hymns and they were incredible. But, but you know what? I just can't get into that music. You know, the, the, the marching beat of the, these hymns is like, I can't do it. You know, I grew up in the, you know, some time ago. But we need both. We need the truth. Amen. I'm a real proponent, and, and, and I, you know, I, I like to put together songs, and I like to use what the Bible, the verses from the Bible, and then put music to them so that, one, we, we, it's, we know that it's truth because it's right from the Bible, and two, we can memorize, we can learn the Scripture that way. Amen. You know, when a, when a song is, has got Bible in it, I go, wow, that's great. That's good. 
Now, it doesn't have to be word for word, but if it does it got the truth of what the Bible teaches? Like, otherwise, you know, it looks at just a bunch of, let's all get up and dance around and enjoy that stuff, but I'm going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Let's finish up the passage here. John chapter 4, verse 24. He says, God is spirit. He's talking about worship in spirit and in truth. Why? Because God is spirit. God is in flesh. We just read about it in Acts 17. He doesn't need our flesh. He doesn't need our, you know, what the, the stuff of our flesh. But God is spirit. He wants our hearts. He wants our spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. He says it again. We've got all kinds of rituals. And, and you know what? Even in Calvary chapels, you know, we have, our, we have our, you know, set way we do things. What's the word for that? I forget now. But we have the way, the things that we do, and we call it worship, you know. But what he really wants is our hearts. And he really wants us to know the truth. So we need to do both. It needs to stir us up. And deep within us, but it also needs to feed us, you know, mentally and in our understanding. It's got to be both. It needs to be both. Worship from our hearts in spirit and truth. Verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. You know, Jesus, Jesus, when you look at the original language, and I read about this, it actually doesn't have the word he. In other words, what he said literally was, I who speak to you, I am. And, and, and that's a designation for God himself. The great I am, the, the name Yahweh is a, is a kind of a, a, an understanding of the one who is. Is what it means. So Jesus said, I am. The woman said, you know what, when, when Messiah comes, he's going to explain all this to us. And, and it's like, Jesus said, listen, you're not like listening to me here. I am. I'm here. I am the Almighty. I stand before you. I'm trying to explain to you. And what you, can, what you can do is you can take what I'm saying. You can take it as the truth. Let's close with Matthew chapter, chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. And we will finish reading about the Pharisees, the religious teachers. There was plenty of religion going on back then. Plenty of religion going on today. Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 through 9. Jesus speaking to those religious teachers, the Pharisees, he said, you hypocrites. Jesus wasn't afraid to call people hypocrites. Sometimes he calls us that. But he said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Isn't that what he's talking about in John? In spirit and in truth. Their hearts are far from me. He says you need to worship from the very deepest part of who we are. And not in vain, not with rules, rules taught by men, but with the holy word of God, the truth of God's word. You know, the truth is we all worship something, right? You know that, right? Whether it's the Patriots or chargers we all worship something and the question is god god seeks this relationship with with him that we understand him as the the creator and the the almighty one and we worship him and he wants our hearts that's what he wants that's what true worship is spirit and in truth let's pray Father God, we thank you for your word and that it it declares to us, Jesus, you were there with that woman, but you were like here with us today explaining to us what it means to worship. That you want the very deepest parts of us. You want our hearts. You want our spirit to be be engaged with you alive. And yet we, we, we know that you also want us to know the truth, the very truth the truth of who you are, the almighty creator, the one and only, the only God that there is, the only one that's worthy of worship, the only one that deserves our hearts. There's one God. There is no other. Father, we humble ourselves. We we bow our hearts right before you now, Lord, and and cry out to you and, and say, God, we... We need you. We love you. We can't live without you. Help us in this life. Help us in this world. Help us to to find that true living water that only can come from you as we open our hearts to you and worship you in spirit and truth.